What is up, all you beautiful, beautiful people? It is Wednesday, September 23rd, 2020. Tonight we get Miami versus Boston. Uh, currently, the Heat are up 2-1. We'll talk more about that in a little bit. I'll give my predictions of how I think tonight's game is going to shape up. we got a good show for you today. But before we get going, I have to ask you guys something. Now, what I'm about to ask you is completely free. All it takes is a little bit of your time, but it helps me out in ways you could never even imagine. So if you guys could please go on to whatever social media channel you prefer, whether you like Instagram, whether you like Twitter, Facebook, whatever, go up to it and click on that search bar and type in Fitz's Sports Show. Once you land on the page, you'll see my nice little logo. If you could just hit the follow button, I would greatly, greatly appreciate it. Like I said, it's completely free. It just takes a little bit of your time, but it helps me out in ways that you can never imagine, and I greatly appreciate you guys. And I think starting on this next episode, each episode I'm going to shout out one person from one of my social media sites who followed. So if you want to be entered in that, make sure to follow. But without further ado, let's get right into the episode. Cue the music. What's up, everybody? Thank you guys for being here. Hopefully, you guys are all having a great week. Uh, it's currently Wednesday. We're getting things going. We got NBA tonight, Miami versus Boston. Heat up 2-1, looking good. Uh, Boston, the last game, really just took it to them. They kind of showed the talent that they have. But it's a new game today. Uh, personally, you guys know I'm rocking with the Heat. I like their attitude. I like Jimmy Butler. I'm a big fan of Eric Spolstra. Always really have like the Heat organization. I think they're a really a really well run organization. But let's just look back at the box score from their game. Uh, whatever they played last. Uh, let me just pull it up real quick. So if we look at the box score. You know, I'm a big stats guy. I love to look at numbers. We had to go all the way back to last Saturday. My uh, Boston won 117 to 106. Looking at just the numbers overall, you can see I can see that um, the Celtics pretty much led the whole entire game. They literally led the whole entire game. Miami, yeah, wow. Miami never led. The biggest lead for Boston was 20. Miami's biggest lead was zero. They never led through the entire game. So from start to finish, it's a great showing by Boston, the type of game that really could swing a series in a team's favor. They went down 2-0 early. Miami looked like they had all the momentum, all the rhythm. They looked like they might run away with the series. Big answer from Brad Stevens and the boys in Boston. They came out, out-rebounded Miami, 50 rebounds to 42 rebounds, uh, had more assists, more steals, uh, one more turnover. They shot better from the field. Miami only shot 38%. Boston shot 48.2%. Shot 34.6% from three, only making nine three-pointers. Got to the free throw line 30 times. Capitalized on those. If we look at the individual box score, uh, Jalen Brown had a good game, 26 points. Uh, three steals, that's big. Was getting active on the defensive end. Five assists, seven rebounds. Jason Tatum. Had a monster game, had 14 rebounds, uh, 25 points, 8 assists, proving that he is exactly what we thought he was. He's one of the future 
future players of this league, future stars of this league, Kemba Walker, Marcus Smart, each having 20 and 21, respectively. Gordon Hayward got back on the action. Didn't really make too big of an impact. Played 30 minutes, though, six points. Uh, I think he's having a baby, actually. I, I think the word is he's not going to leave campus, however. And then, you know, looking at the other NBA game, we had Denver kind of doing a, pulling a Boston. They were down 2-0. Came back uh, today, I mean, yet last night and won to kind of swing the momentum a little bit back in their favor. Looking at that game, they uh, they led pretty much after the first quarter the whole time. Pretty much boat raced the Lakers, which we were all surprised about. It looked like Miami, uh, sorry, Los Angeles looked like they were on their way to maybe, you know, a sweep or winning it by, you know, five to uh, four one series. Well, that was a tough sentence to get through. But looking at the numbers, Denver really out rebounded Los Angeles, 44 rebounds to 25 rebounds. Uh, assists were pretty even. Stills, the Lakers had the nod there. Turnovers, Denver actually had more. Lakers shot pretty well from the field. They shot 51%. Denver shot 54%. Uh, Three-pointers really killed Los Angeles. They only shot 23%, which, you know, is to be expected. There's not many guys on that team besides LeBron and AD who can consistently score. They were horrible from the free throw, and they only shot 63%. Only got there 22 times. Uh, Denver got there 29 times, shot 79%. My biggest takeaway, and I talked about this on the episode, I think it was Friday, is that who's going to be Los Angeles' number third? I, I said, you know, when you get into an NBA playoff setting, it's really tough to only have two guys. You have to have another guy who can pitch in and score 20. You'd prefer to have three 20-night guys. We look at uh, LeBron, great game, played 37 minutes, 30 points. Anthony Davis had 27 points. Um, but besides those two, you know, the next high scorer is Contavious Caldwell Pope at 12. And whenever you have a guy like... Contavious Caldwell Pope as your third highest score. I do not think you're going to win a lot of basketball games. Um, we saw, you know, LeBron and AD were able to carry them throughout the first two games of the series, but you know, Denver's kind of caught on to that. Caught on to that. Anthony Davis, you know, put up good numbers, but if you watch the game, you know that it really wasn't that great of a game from him. And if you look at Denver's box score, they had Jeremy Grant, you know, who's normally not a guy that's going to go get you a bunch of points. He had 26 points. Had a hell of a game, you know, three rebounds, uh, long, great defensively, shot 40% from three, knocked in two of them. Uh, Jokic did his thing, 22 points, 10 rebounds, five assists. Jamal Murray is an absolute monster in the clutch, 28 points, 12 assists. Wow, that's a hell of a game. Uh, two steals, getting it done on defense. I, I love Jamal Murray. I tweeted this out. Is Jamal Murray... A top seven point guard in the NBA, in my opinion, he definitely is. I tend to subscribe to the idea that, you know, it's what have you done for me lately. And that's why, you know, I see on Twitter a lot of debate about Russell Westbrook. People are like, you got to put some respect on his name. You know, MVP, average a triple-double, all that, which is great, you know. But if you're asking me now who I want to take, Jamal Murray or Russell Westbrook, I'm 110% taking Jamal Murray. I think Russell Westbrook has hit his peak of his career. I think he's definitely on the downward slope. And that's not a knock on Russ, but when you look at his game, his game is so predicated on his athleticism, his ability to get to the rim and just finish above and through and, you know, finish at the rim. Well, as you get older, that gets a lot harder to do. You have to rely more on some craftiness and some, you know, your jump shooting and things like that. 
And it just so happens that that's really not Russell Westbrook's strong suit. His strongest features as a basketball player is his ability to get to the rim and use his athleticism, which is, you know, he's one of the most athletic athletic players we've ever seen in the league. But as you get older, it gets harder. You know, a guy like Jamal Murray, very patient, great defender, seems unflappable. He, in the fourth quarter, he is insane. Some of the shots here, he was hitting are just disrespectful, you know, threes, not holding the follow through, just dagger, dancing on them. Denver got a little bit of their swagger back. So I'll be very interested to see how they play tomorrow. Um, I'm still not ready to pick them over L.A. I still got L.A. winning it probably in six or seven games. That's what I predicted before. Uh, the Celtics Heat game tonight, I think the Celtics actually do end up evening this one up. I think it's going to be 2-2. Uh, I think this one's going seven games. I do have Miami winning it. I picked Miami. I'm going to stick by them. I'm not ready to switch over to Boston yet. My biggest thing about Miami is I love their attitude. I love Jimmy Butler. I think he brings an edge that, you know, it's kind of tough to have. His mentality is kind of tough to have in today's NBA. You know, he would have been the perfect player in the 90s, in the 80s NBA basketball in terms of his attitude. He's not there to make friends. I mean, the dude didn't even bring his family. He brought no one into the bubble. They were allowed to bring, like, what, two or three people. He decided, no, I'm good. You guys stay at home. I'm here to win. I think when you have that attitude, it's really tough to beat. So I'm a big fan of Miami Heat and Boston. I think they do happen to pull off the win. I think it goes seven games. I don't think they win tonight. I think Boston has enough talent to really give Miami some fits. But, you know, if Miami can pull off the win tonight, I think they're pretty much home three, up 3-1. Three, Boston, for as good as they are, I do. Not, I think that's a tough deficit to come, especially against this Heat team who's going to really make it tough on you, make you work every possession. I do not see them winning three games in a row because they're not going to give you a second to breathe, right? But if Boston can make it 2-2, then it gets really, really interesting. Boston has a lot of dogs, too. And, you know, Marcus Smart has that same Jimmy Butler mentality. And just from a pure fan perspective, I would love to see this game the series go seven games. I mean, who wouldn't want to see? I I think as much basketball as we can see, the better. Uh, so that's where I'm at in the NBA right now. Let's get into our next topic. All right. Back into topic number two. This one is one that I even debated about talking about. It was all over social media, so I felt some sort of obligation to talk about this. The reason is we're talking about a 15-year-old but not just any 15-year-old. We're talking about Bronny James. So if you guys haven't heard or not on Instagram, I don't follow him on Instagram. He posted a video. I think it was a story of him uh, smoking what appeared to be a joint, which, you know, naturally so. Being LeBron James' son, he posted on Instagram, especially being 15 years old. That's bound to get some news. And, you know, we've seen him post stuff like this. Not anything this crazy, but we've seen him do some crazy stuff and, you know, which whether you agree with it or not, you got to keep in mind he is a 15-year-old, right? He's not going to have the social media savvy that a veteran NBA player would have. And it just so happens that he's under an extremely huge microscope, being that his dad is LeBron James, and he has extremely huge shoes to fill. So, you know, this isn't really a big deal to me. You know, 15-year-olds, they're going to make mistakes, and if you look at most 15, 16-year-olds, most high school-age kids, they're doing the exact same thing he's doing. But just because he's 6'2", 180 pounds, and probably going to be an NBA player and a damn good one at that, 
he has a different set of eyeballs on him. He has NBA teams, NBA scouts watching him from a very young age. And, you know, with that, that comes a lot of pressure. And I wouldn't wish that on my kid. I wouldn't wish that on myself. I wouldn't wish that on anyone. But it's the situation he's in. He has some, he's has a set of God gifted abilities and talent to, you know, really, he could propel himself to a great career in basketball. And that brings a lot of pressure. If you're him, it's definitely not the best look. I'm sure LeBron had a phone call with him and said, hey, you know, you cannot do that. Because if you're looking at, as an NBA team, that's definitely a red flag. You don't want, you know, a future NBA prospect posting videos of him smoking weed on his Instagram page. I mean, hell, you don't even want a current NBA player posting a video of him smoking weed. But at the end of the day, with that being said, I don't want to talk about it too much. I don't want to give him too much of a hard time for it because like I said you know 15 year olds are going to be 15 year olds regardless of whether they're you know naturally gifted athletes or not and I would encourage everyone to just give him a break right he's probably dealing with a lot a lot of stress a lot of pressure imagine having to fill the shoes of your dad everyone you know everywhere he goes he's not Bronny he's LeBron James's kid and I imagine that could definitely take a big toll on your mental psyche and really, you know, cause a lot of issues in your personal life. I don't think he, I think, you know, he's handling it really well. A lot of kids in this position probably would have handled it as well as he is. So let's give him credit where credit's due. Bronny, just be smarter. To keep that stuff off of Instagram. Um, but I'm not going to be the one to pretend that he's the only 15, 15 to 16 year old that's smoking weed. Like, let's be real. You know, I would say a lot of, a lot of kids who aren't in his position are doing the same thing. So let's keep that in mind. Uh, he's not the first. He's not the last. Uh, to me, it's really a, uh, it's a story, but it's not that big of a story. I'm not going to make it and blow it up to be a big of a story as some of these people want it to be. But without further ado, I feel like I had to just address that, give my thoughts and takes on it. I don't want to talk about it too much. Like I said, 15-year-old, I feel a little weird, you know, criticizing a 15-year-old. So I'm just not. I probably not. I'm just going to say this probably not the smartest move. I'm sure he's had talks with LeBron and other people about, Hey, you can't do that. And I'm sure we won't see it again from him. I hope so. I want the best for Bronny. I want, you know, I just want to see as much people succeed as we can. And, you know, hopefully this doesn't derail his career or, career or anything like that, but don't be the people on Twitter, on Instagram, you know, in his comments and commenting about him and, trying to drag a 15-year-old through the mud. That's just not a good look as well. So that's my thoughts. That's my opinions on that. Next topic. All right. As you guys know, I am on Twitter. And I see a lot. You know, there's a page I follow, which I quite actually enjoy. It's called Hoop Culture. I'm sure if you guys are Hoops fans and have a Twitter account, you guys follow him or follow this account. But pretty much about every day they post some sort of debate. Uh, we can get involved in. And I, I, this is actually one thing that I want to do on the sports page. So if you'd like to be involved in some debates, head over to Fitz's Sports Club on uh, Fitz's Sports Club, Fitz's Sports Show on Twitter. Click that follow button. We'd love to have you. We'd love to debate and hear your guys' thoughts on some of these topics. And like I said, I'm going to start featuring followers in the episode. So if you want to be involved in that, make sure to check that out. But one of the debates that Hoop culture post was who would you rather build a franchise around bam adebayo or donovan mitchell so naturally you know i am a jazz fan so 
I do have a little bit of bias towards Donovan Mitchell, but I really will make the case that Donovan Mitchell is the guy you'd want to build a franchise around. And let's just look at the numbers with a completely unbiased eye. Let's look at what both guys bring to the table. Let's look at where they're both at in their careers and in their respective teams. So this year, Donovan Mitchell averaged 24 points per game, had four assists a game, one steal, and shot 36% from three. Bam had 15 points per game, five assists, one block. So interesting enough, Bam, for being a center, actually has more assists than Donovan Mitchell. And at first, you know, that might lead you to conclude that, hey, Donovan's just not a great facilitator for his team. But I would um, question that idea. Look, the way the Heat's offense is run, a lot of it is through Bam, and they give Bam a lot of free reign to make those decisions. Uh, with the Jazz, you know, Don Mitchell isn't the primary ball handler. A lot of the times, Donovan's job isn't to create for the offense, it's to score. They have a great point guard in Mike Conley who does a lot of, you know, playmaking. And most of the time when Donovan sees the ball, it's to score. And I think that's where we see a lot of the difference in the points per game numbers. But stats aside, just looking at the eye test, you know, you guys know I'm a big fan of the Heat. You guys know I love Bam. He's an extremely versatile defender. He can defend any position on the floor. He's a great passer. He can finish around the rim. Still lacks a little bit of a jump shot for my taste. I'd love to see him develop that and potentially even develop a three-point shot. But besides that, he does everything on the basketball court well. Uh, Donovan Mitchell, you look at him, same type of thing. You know, he's a great, great, great scorer. You know, dropped two 50-point games in the playoffs this year. You don't do that in the playoffs if you're not an elite-level scorer. So I would definitely say Donovan is head over shoulders above, above uh, Bam out of bio in terms of scoring. Uh, I think Donovan doesn't get a lot of credit for his defense. Uh, he he is a very good defender. He's an active defender. He uses, he uses his athleticism well. He can create for his teammates. He shoots the ball decently from through. We've seen him develop that more and kind of improve. Um, I love Bam. I think he's phenomenal and would love to have him as a number two player. But that's how I see him right now at his point in his career. Uh, Donovan Mitchell on his team, he's the clear number one, the go-to guy the man and I think when you look at Bam in Miami there's some games Bam might be the number one but for the most part I think he's more the second option behind Jimmy Butler and you know Goran Dragic has a lot of you know has an argument to be the number two there too so until Bam's the best player on his team I cannot confidently say I'd rather have him over Donovan Mitchell when it comes to building a franchise I love them both and I would love to have both of them on my team but for right now, I think you have to go with Donovan Mitchell to start a franchise with just because he's clear and above the number one guy on his team. And he's not playing for a slouch team either. He He's playing on a good Utah Jazz team with Mike Conley, Bogdanovich, Rudy Gobert, and he's the clear number one guy on his team. And Bam plays with, Bam plays with a lot of good guys too, but he's not the clear number one best guy on his team. So until that point, I'm going with Donovan. Next topic. All right, moving on to the next topic. We have Clipper drama, problem in uh, trouble in paradise, as they say. Let me just pull up these screenshots real here, right quick. Um, so there was some tweets coming out by the great Shams Sharania. I believe that's how you pronounce his last name. First one says, after the Game 7 loss, Paul George had a speech that all players... Oh, sorry. Let me read that. I can't read, apparently. Man, we're really struggling today. For you guys that don't know, this is a fairly new podcast. We're trying to figure out what kind of structure we want, what kind of things we want to talk about. 
so this is very a very very much a work in progress so you know if this episode isn't your cup of tea i'd love to hear some constructive criticism from you guys tweet at me do whatever you want tell me what you guys would like to see you know things you think i can do better to make it more entertaining just overall i'm looking for feedback on how to make this podcast the best it can be but back to the topic at hand uh there seems to be some drama with the los angeles clippers so as reported that after the game seven loss, Paul George had a speech that had a speech that all players should return to the team this offseason to make another run of the title. And it was quote it was met with some eye rolls and bewilderment. Uh not great news if you're a Clippers fan. And if you look even further, there's more reports that said Clippers players were scratching their heads at Doc Rivers coaching decisions. They go on to talk about in that article that they didn't like how Doc you know, wasn't playing Trez as much and how they're kind of trying to go small ball versus the Denver Nuggets with Nikola Jokic. They felt that they needed to go bigger versus him and they felt they needed Jermichael Green in the lineup more. So, you know, you see this dysfunction that a lot of guys, you know, there were reports that a lot of guys didn't get along and that it would be surprising if they ran it back. So when Paul George, you know, after game seven gives a talk to the team, discussing how he thinks everyone should try and come back and they should make another run at the title, you would hope that that would generate some sort of positive response. It seems, it's being reported that it did not do that. It actually was met with eye rolls and bewilderment. That's not good if you're a Clippers fan. Or maybe it is. You know, we've seen that We've seen this in the past where teams have a lot of talent, but if they do not have the ability to gel and, you know, come together as a team, that they're just, this could cause a lot of problems. There is a thing, you know, you get too many personalities in the locker room, and the Clippers do have a lot of personalities. You know, they have Patrick Beverly, Montrezl Harrell, Paul George. I'm not saying those guys are the problems, because I don't know. But I could definitely see, you know, when you have a team like that, with a lot of personalities, a lot of alpha dogs, if you want to call it, that could cause a lot of chemistry issues. You know, everyone wants to be involved. Everyone wants to do their part. Uh, you get a lot of guys questioning the coach. Obviously, it's not what you want if you're the Clippers. But um, where do they go from here? Uh, it's it's a tough situation because you have so much talent, and on paper, you know that's a team I think we all agree could contend for a championship. And you know it's arguably talent wise one of the best teams in the NBA on paper. But like I said, paper doesn't always translate to success on the court. There has to be some gel. You have to have the right nucleus of guys. You have to have, you know, guys who know their roles, and you have to have the guys who can be more assertive. And you kind of need to have a balance. It's a very much a balancing act. And the Clippers, it seems, they didn't have the right balance. And you look at their counterparts in Los Angeles, it appears that the Lakers do. Uh, they have their guys AD and LeBron. And there's very much a power structure, and they know you know, who's the alpha dogs and who's going to be the leaders on the floor. And then you have your guys who are the role players, where at the Clippers you could see that maybe there might be some guys who have problems accepting their role or, you know, have opinions that they feel it should be ran a certain way and they're questioning the coach. That's generally not a good sign for your franchise going forward. And the fact that it's being reported now that, you know, a lot of guys aren't on board, that they don't want to give another run at it, leads me to conclude that there's probably going to be some changes in the Clippers. I don't know who's going to be staying, who's going to be leaving. Are they going to try and deal one of the stars? I, I assume Kawhi Leonard, there's no chance he's going to be dealt. But Paul George, maybe they try and you know deal Paul George. Maybe they try and go out and get uh, another playmaker. I've heard Drew Holiday being floated around as having some interest, and they have some interest in him. 
that's interesting to me. Um, if I'm the the uh, owner, if I'm Steve Ballmer, I'm thinking I definitely want to try and keep Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. You know, Paul George cut a lot of flack, you know. He came out out of the gates not playing very well, but I thought he kind of settled in, contributed. He was, uh, there's a lot of questions with him in the playoffs, and, you know, rightfully so, he hasn't shown to be the elite playoff player yet, especially in the last couple of years. So is he a guy you might look to move? Maybe. I personally wouldn't. I like Paul George. I like his game. I do think he compliments Kawhi Leonard well. Um, They really do need a, a third guy, a playmaker, who can kind of help create for those guys. Like I said, the same situation with L.A. They have their two dogs, and uh, LeBron and AD carry the team for better or for worse. You know, there's going to be games where LeBron and AD carry the team to victory, and there's going to be games where, you know, they need a third guy that doesn't show up. Same with the Clippers. They had a lot of depth. You know, before the season, I thought the Clippers would for sure be better than Los Angeles, but that just isn't, isn't so. And that's where we went into a lot of problems with paper basketball. You know, where we look at the papers – a team looks really good on paper, but at you know when it's the games start playing, it, it falls apart and the wheels fall off for whatever reason. So that's really going to be an interesting thing to see develop throughout this off season. Uh, I, for one, I'm not in the camp to blow up the Clippers completely. I think you have a good nucleus there. Um, if you can bring in some guys to maybe fill some holes, I think there'd be a lot better for it. But, you know, if you're Clippers, you're a little nervous. If you're a Clippers fan, you would probably don't like to hear all this. Uh, as at some point, you got to be thinking, maybe we're just cursed, right? Maybe the Clippers are just cursed. They've been a second-tier franchise in the NBA for a long, long time. The Lakers have been the superior L.A. franchise for a long, long time. Maybe they're just destined to be the second-best L.A. team forever. Uh I don't know. Give me your thoughts. Uh, tweet me on Twitter. Tell me what you think the Clippers should do going forward. All right, guys. Last topic of the day. Uh, this is probably going to be a shorter episode. As kind of expected, these Wednesday podcasts are kind of hard. If you look at the Monday ones, we get to talk about football that just happened Sunday. We have Monday Night Football to talk about. NBA, we have a lot more stuff to talk about Monday. Friday, same thing. We get to look forward to college football on the weekend, to the upcoming NFL games. We get to discuss all that. But Wednesday, we're kind of in the middle in sports land. You know, it's just really whatever news topics pop up. But there is a very interesting topic, and I saved this one for the end because it is one that I frankly have never heard of. So Tyrod Taylor, if you guys are uh, watching the NFL, he's been the uh, Chargers starter. He was a late scratch. Uh, due to, a, I think they worded it like uh, something went wrong with a doctor. And he, uh, Justin Herbert took the start, the rookie. He played very well, actually. They didn't end up coming up with the win. But then, you know, news comes out today or I think maybe yesterday that Tyrod Taylor's lung actually was punctured by a team doctor. So the idea is, I guess how it went is he was trying to get a shot for some pain. He has some bruised ribs or cracked ribs, something like that. And the doctor actually ended up puncturing his lung. And, you know, that put Tyra Taylor out for the game. And now he's out indefinitely. They don't know, you know, when he'll be back. They think he's for sure going to be out week three. Maybe he can go back sooner. But, you know, obviously you feel bad for Tyrod. And there's probably going to be some legal action involved or 
I don't even know. The doctor's probably going to lose his job. But that's who I feel for most in this story. I mean, yeah, that's a huge mistake. But imagine working your life, right? Your life's goal is to become a team doctor for a sports team. You go through med school. You do all that. You just, you just so happen to puncture the starting quarterback's lung. Not a linebacker, not a bench guy, not, you know, you, you, not the undrafted rookie. No, you puncture the starting quarterback's lung and you force the team to go to a rookie who, you know, may or may not have been ready. He had a good game, so, you know, that looks good for him. But there's probably no one rooting harder against Justin Herbert than that team doctor. Because what if Herbert comes in and has a phenomenal game, they win plays this week, has another good game, and they win. Well, now you got the coaching staff questioning, hey, do we go back to Tyrod Taylor, or do we just ride out this kid? They're saying right now they want to go with Tyrod Taylor. But Justin Herbert does have a chance. If he comes out, plays well, you know, there's going to be some fan support for him. You know, they want to see the young guy play. Tyrod Taylor's not necessarily a flashy quarterback. You kind of know what he's going to give you. He takes care of the ball. He's a little bit mobile. He's a solid quarterback. I'm a Tyrod Taylor fan. But, man, it sucks for him, and it sucks for the team doctor, and it sucks for the Chargers. I've never heard of this story. I I mean, there's no way that he te- keeps his job, right, the team doctor. He's got to be fired. I don't know. You know, I assume they're probably going to end up going back to Tyrod Taylor, but if Justin Herbert comes out and has a good game, you're going to have a lot of people in the Herbert camp hopping on the Herbert train, trying to, you know, push for him to be the starter. And imagine if Tyrod Taylor doesn't get the starting job back after this. Uh, no fault of his own. She's trying to be tough, play through an injury, goes in, gets a shot. The team doctor punctures his lung, and he ends up losing a starting job to a rookie. What if that were to happen? Then I think you're definitely looking at lawsuits. You're probably already looking at lawsuits. It's going to be a whole mess. It's going to be a whole nightmare. Um, hopefully, uh, Tyra Taylor is able to you know, heal up, get his starting job back and, you know, play the season, at least have a chance to earn that job in L.A. Uh, and hopefully the team doctor ends up somewhere. Hopefully it was just a, a – hopefully it wasn't like a intentional thing. I can't imagine it would. Or hopefully it wasn't like a super big case of negligence. Hopefully it was just a, an honest mistake and he can end up finding a job somewhere else. Hopefully his career is not ruined. I mean, it's, I imagine it's going to be hard to keep his job. I'm assuming they're probably going to have to let him go because imagine – being a player that has to go get a shot from the the doctor that just collapsed the quarterback's lung. I mean, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of guys who are not going to want to have him as the doctor, and I'm sure a lot of NFL teams are going to be like, hey, you know, we, we you probably are good, you probably are qualified, but that mistake is a big mistake to make, and it probably disqualifies you to work in the NFL again and for another team. Hopefully he can land somewhere, redeem himself, but... I don't know if they're going to fire him, if they're going to keep him. They probably already have fired him. I, I just can't imagine he's going to end up keeping his job. That's a big mistake. I mean, you collapsed the starting quarterback's lung. You punctured it. I mean, I don't know how you come back from that one, to be honest. It's just an unfortunate situation. I'm not trying to laugh at, you know, anybody's misfortunes, but damn, is that not just a crazy situation? Imagine, just imagine going through all the med school and all the Whatever the hell you have to do to become a team doctor, I'm sure it's not easy. I'm sure there's a lot of work involved. And to have it all come down to you accidentally puncturing the starting quarterback's lung. Uh, I mean, it's a completely different story if it's an undrafted, you know, rookie 
you accidentally punctured his lung. He wasn't going to play anyways. I mean, you probably keep your job, right? It's just, a, okay, sorry. You know, you're an undrafted rookie anyways. Let's be honest, you weren't going to play. But the starting quarterback, any other position would have been better. Literally, name a player on the field. Probably would have been better than the starting quarterback. Uh, maybe, I don't know. There's probably some guys you could argue on that team that you would rather see Tyrod get hurt over, but still, <laughs> a big major oopsie. Probably one of the biggest oopsies in recent sports memory in terms of uh, medical mishaps. I can't even think of another one that reaches this level. But, you know, hopefully it <laughs> works out for everyone in this situation. Uh, but that's all I got for you guys today. Once again, thank you guys for watching. If you made it this far... You might as well head on over to Twitter. You might as well head over to Facebook. I know this has been a short one. Uh, like I said, it's very much a head over to those social medias and follow at Fitz's Sports Show. It's very much a work in progress. If you have any ideas or tips on how to, you know, what you'd like to see on this podcast, let me know. And I'd love to implement some of those and get you guys involved as much as I can. I will be shouting out a follower in the next episode. So if you're interested in that, make sure to follow. But yeah, that's all I got for you guys. Cue the outro music. <laughs>